Hey, everybody. Coming up on the show today, why put off to tomorrow what you can put off to the day after tomorrow? We're talking procrastination. Why, in the end, it actually makes life more difficult for you. The Matt Townsend Show is up next, right after the news. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. In the aftermath of monster storm Sandy, the death toll in the U.S. has now risen above 50, with at least 22 of those in New York City. In the city, evacuation orders are still in place as emergency crews work to inspect damaged structures, and almost a quarter of the city is still without power. The storm has weakened significantly, but as it pushes inward, it has brought with it intense unseasonal blizzards. The North Carolina-Tennessee border has received upwards of 16 inches. Blizzard warnings are still in effect for portions of Virginia and the mountains of West Virginia. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is doing everything he can to help assist in the recovery of the city. To help keep congestion down, he has ordered that only cars carrying three or more people be allowed in Manhattan until Friday. With subway lines still closed and only scheduled to start making limited runs tomorrow, the traffic limitations should cut down on the congestion during the cleanup. Owners of businesses destroyed in the storm have also been guaranteed access to $10,000 loans to help rebuild. Bloomberg was also able to ring the opening bell on Wall Street this morning, helping business get back to, more, back to normal while the cleanup continues. In New Jersey, an unlikely bond has been formed between President Barack Obama and Governor Chris Christie, who is one of the top supporters of the Romney campaign. Christie and the president have been surveying the damage in the densely populated state via helicopter, along with a top official from FEMA. The Obama campaign has been suspended since Sunday so that the president can help provide aid and leadership during the onslaught of the hurricane. But the Obama team will be back on the road in Nevada tomorrow. The sister company of the pharmaceutical developer that produced the drug linked to the deadly meningitis outbreak has voluntarily recalled all of their drugs. The move is meant to show cooperation with ongoing investigations by regulators, but may cause a shortage of some important medicines. Although many of the recalled treatments have not caused any known harm, company officials say they are pulling them back anyway because the Food and Drug Administration has asked that they reevaluate their sterility testing procedures. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. I was working in the lab. My eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from its slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing a little monster mash action here. Uh, just checking out the costumes of my mighty team of <laughs> peers, I guess. They're my peers. Uh, let's see. Let's go around the room and figure out what we're all dressed as here. What are you dressed as, Sky? I tried to dress up as you. Really? But I couldn't find the abs. So. Well, you just <laughs> actually you have to earn them. You don't find them. I was just going to get like a bodysuit, but yeah, <laughs> I like it. What are you dressed as, there, Madison? A wildly attractive college student. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How about you, BT? <laughs> uh, my costume is that of a 
overstressed student. Well, yeah, um, you look great. Thanks. I think <laughs> you I'm nailed it. Off. You I think totally nailed it. Uh, actually, no one's in costume, which I think is rude, but we're playing a good song, The Monster Mash, until Sky pulled it down for some odd reason. Hey, happy Halloween to all you out there. This is the Matt Townsend Show. On the show, of course, we like to touch on all things human. Uh, we uh, also like to make sure that everyone is, you know, having a good time. So on the show today, we're going to be getting a little bit into the Halloween season. Uh, we've got some fun bits about that. We're also going to be talking about procrastination, which uh, is something this team knows m- more about than probably any other team on the face of the earth. Wouldn't I you did say, not Ron? just run in here with a bunch of papers. Yeah, why are you out of breath? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, now, here's the deal. So this morning, I've, I've had all day off, so I went to my child's, my children's um, parade at school. And you have a bunch of kids dressed up in all sorts of things. By the way, some of them inappropriate. Uh, I, Mrs. Claus was pregnant. I saw that. How how old are your kids? Uh, they're twenty. Hmm. No, they're they're little kids. They're seven year olds, eight year olds, nine year olds. But still, inappropriate costume for. Seven-year-olds. Well, Mrs. Claus can get pregnant, and she was walking around. What else was kind of weird? Uh, I saw a guy with this thing coming out of his head. He was in, he had been impaled. Highly inappropriate. <sighs> Highly inappropriate. What else? Uh, lots. I saw lots of ninjas. And yeah, remi- ninjas are cool. Ninjas are way cool. It reminded me of you guys. And also, I mean, you saw ninjas. It's a little miracle right there. Well, Normally, totally. you don't see those. Well, I think they had to stay in line. So they, they the had te- to stand their still. teachers made them stand in line. And so I think that makes it easier to see a ninja. Now, there's if, only one type of ninja that's real. Oh, really? It's green. It's half a shell. Oh, yeah. Turtle power. Turtle, that's, yeah. That's a, Did you see any of those? I, you know what? I didn't. I think oh. I didn't. Actually, I didn't see one ninja turtle. Back when I was seven. Oh, these were all real ninjas. Ni- what was that? 1992. Tons of ninja turtles. I saw lots of like... Uh, like cable star people that I don't know who they are, but they're. Did ob- you see any Snookies? I saw no Snookies. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but that would be hilarious. I saw a lot of these people that are dressed all green. Ninja, morphs. N- Ninja Turtle? They call them morphs, don't they? Have you heard of them? They're just, they look like the blue men, but they're green. Just like the full body uh-huh. green suit. Yeah. yeah. You're talking yeah. like Smurfs? Uh, no, well, they're like a green morph. It's more terrifying smart. because it they, they have it over their face as well. So it's you know what I like nineteen nineties costumes. Right. Not much has changed. Now, do you guys remember your favorite costumes? Yes. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, t- no, I think the co-ed thing you're doing today is great. <laughs> you're nailing that. But what before? What what other great costumes did you have, Madison? Um, you had to do a princess. All the young girls today were princesses or oh, really? something just cute as can be. So actually, my favorite costume was when I was Esmeralda from really? um, Hunchback Notre Dame. But the funny thing is that day before, my um, my sister and I had been playing beauty parlor. And she, my sister turned to me and she said, I distinctly remember this. Do you want to look beautiful? And I went, uh-huh. For sure. And so she sat me down and she cut off my long hair. Oh, cute. And so it was like, it, like some pieces were long, some pieces were oh, short. Wow. It was, it was really bad. And so my mom came in and she was mad and she spanked my sister. Mad <laughs> a mommy. But yeah, so I had short hair when I was Esmeralda, but that was, that's a great costume. That was my costume. favorite costume. What did you go as, Rob? You look like the juice box. 
Did you really? Yeah. I what just, flavor? I don't remember. Fruit, I bet fruit punch or something. High C. High C. But it, it was a lot of fun. Because I think I was in third grade or second yeah. grade. and There was an iPad or an iPhone today. That was pretty cool. Pretty neat. There was a um, monster, uh, Dr. Mr. Death. What's the guy's name that comes and takes you? Uh, the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper carrying... Uh, having, <laughs> it was a great costume. The Grim Reaper with a baby. You know those little pouches that you put your baby on in oh. front of you? Mm-hmm. So it was a Grim Reaper face, but it was on the guy's... It was above his head, and then his head was the baby's face. the baby. And it looked like the Grim Reaper was holding this baby. It was pretty classic. This baby with a giant head. Huge head. In fact, I commented on that. I go, dude, your head is huge. I said, your baby's head is huge. And he just said, yeah. Actually, the baby said, yeah. So the baby talks. Weird. What? Uh, how about you, Sky? I bet you, because uh, we saw you last year. You were, um, you were a, what do they call you? Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you know, where you wore the tights and you were just in a baby. A ballerina? In a, you were a baby in a onesie. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, I thought that he would have been a leprechaun because of his red hair. And his and he's green, wearing green shirt. Yeah. He's cute. What was your favorite uh, costume? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. I remember my freshman year at BYU, I bought an orangutan suit. Like really? Full body. Did you really? Yeah. That's cute. Did. What Did you wear it? I did wear it. And then I remember I was in a band and we played um, a concert and I wore that for one of the songs. How'd that go over? It was it was hard to play. Yeah, but was, yeah. <laughs> with those extended arms <laughs> that are really long. Yeah. That's cool, Bryce. Anything for you? Okay, I was. I bet it was dark. Whatever it was. No, when I was seven, I used to have a soul, so it was pretty oh, good. This was before. Um, you lost this your was soul. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was like seven, I was a robot, and apparently it was a pretty dang good costume because people were stopping me and taking pictures with me. Really? And then I think it was last year we pulled out the family pictures and we looked at this costume really it was like styrofoam square styrofoam packing material and cardboard boxes with aluminum foil glued on it it looks like i just rolled around in garbage and i just got up like looking back the it's an atrocity just a bunch of garbage but they were just like oh you're a robot that's so cool we thought we were hot stuff look back oh why what interesting it's awful all right that's embarrassing. It really was, but, you know. See, I never had, I don't think, a great costume. Mm-mm. I was always a football player because we played football, so we always had that. Or an army man. You know, you have the fallback. Hey, army is good. It's a Respect. great one. That's what my son was today because, again, we had one. Um, was it your old one? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, I I was Superman. I mean, that seems obvious. Um, why are you laughing? Well, when aren't you Superman? Exactly. Yeah, but this was a um, plastic Superman outfit Ooh. that, like, Ooh. it was kind of rigid plastic. <laughs> it just didn't work well. See, like, you should have gotten like a Superman shirt or like put it underneath a white shirt and have been Clark yes. Kent. Like, I could have done it open. Yeah, could have done that. Yep. Didn't do that. Nope. Um, I was a. I think no. I was a football player. That's it. I didn't. I was a football player a couple times. I think you got to do that. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of just showing you're a man. I had a Dan Marino jersey Did you? and everything. Yeah. Did you really? Yep. Yeah, that was. Uh, I actually, anyway, I actually watched Dan Marino play. I did too. Well, you were young. Yeah, I was young. There, he was my favorite player though. So, um, costumes. Okay, favorite. If you're sitting there now, did you ever just go out and like? 
go for volume on the candy. Because my kids have decided that they're going for volume. Holy cow. Somebody just walked by <laughs> dressed. It's an what old costume man. is that? It was like that a... was really funny. It was an old man dressed as a superhero, and he was wearing a bodysuit of blue. Wow. And then he had a burgundy cape and a burgundy Speedo. There you, could, you could be fair. It wasn't an cowboy old man. No, it, was probably, it was probably a middle-aged person. Probably... He's probably... Okay. Well, no younger than 60. But he has That's a luchador true. mask. But you can't wear yeah. cowboy boots with tights. That's so funny. Let's just get Can back. you, Matt? Well, can you? Yeah, you can. You can. You can. Do you like just... how we all stopped and went, whoa? That was just weird. Like, I totally lost whatever I was talking about. Mana's coming out of the executive offices, too. That's yeah, the that's cool part. really weird. They must no. be having a killer Halloween party upstairs. No. I hope so. No, I had a moment like that last night. My mom and I were driving, and we looked at the truck next to us, and this guy had, like, on, like, a freaky clown mask. And then my mom is really bad for it when she gets scared, and she full-on screamed. And she was driving in the car jerk. No, clowns are scary. And... But it was bad because, like, they, like, drove up and then back. Like, they were trying to get more reactions out of my mom. And guess what they had on the back rear view mirror on there? On, on, the, on the back of the window of their car? Mm-hmm. I bet it was, my son's the proud graduate from whatever high school. Um, my son has a 4.0. A Ute sticker. University of Utah. Our rival. <laughs> BYU's rival, the clowns. <laughs> anyway, that's scary. Clowns yeah, are scary. Do any of you have, like, a... a a concept like a clown that just something that just really scares you like freaks you out 75 percent of all halloween costumes do they freak you out you how there's two halloweens here there's the creepy scary one that i i personally don't like and there's like hey the pumpkins are ready to pick let's go carve them and go eat something that candy that's the cute one candy matt that is the Halloween that's worth uh, celebrating, and it's it's kind of sad to see as people are trying to fight yeah. diabetes and obesity. The the candy Halloween is is it's going away. It's, it's sad. It's taken a dive, but it's actually not with my children because they're going out early today, and they know where all of the big the houses are that have the big candy bars. And one of them they have to go through is the one that has a haunted house. So you have to go through the haunted house to get to the big candy bars. And they're not sure they want to do it. They're psyching themselves (laughs) up. And they want me to go with them, and I know I don't want to do it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you got to earn it, right? You just pitch them a different idea. Be like, I know this place where you get big candy bars. It's going to cost us, though. It's over there at the uh, gas station. Yeah, let's, let's go there go instead. <laughs> Sometimes equally as scary patrons. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Some gas stations. Depends super on scary. the neighborhood. <laughs> Isn't that just so sad? Halloween, man. Major memories. Doesn't it bring back, though? I mean, that to me is – that was my childhood kind of thing. Halloween. We'd go to a neighbor's house. We had a neighbor that showed – he had my, – he was my best friend's dad. They'd show movies in the basement. They'd Fun. give you hot cider, donuts. You could. They'd go show a whole, like twenty minute film where people could rest, and then you get your stuff and you go to the next house. See, it's a happy Halloween. That was happy. Halloween. It's happy Halloween, not scary Halloween. Yeah. And then you'd get gangsters that would come try to steal your candy. So you'd always want up. a big kid to be going with you. That was before you That's went sad. with your parents. You Weird. didn't have to go with your parents? No. Wow. That was the 1930s. It, it was, was really it was safe. <laughs> In the 30s, it was really safe. And it's when a penny meant something. Different times. <laughs> Different times. Uh, Halloween, what are you guys going to do for tonight? Tonight, I go home, I leave here, and it's just game time. I put my game face on. 
I start knocking doors with the kids, selling vacuums. I do admit I will be dressed as a pirate tonight, and I will hit up two parties. Really? Mm-hmm. Arg. Yep. Really? Yeah. So you didn't dress up for us, but you'll dress up for parties. Okay, honestly, I woke up at 8.50, had a class at 9, and got there on time. It's pretty great. I thought, you know, I was going to have a party here until nobody dressed up, <laughs> which I felt was wrong. You didn't dress up. Sky. You actually dressed down, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean by down? Well, you're just in casual clothes today. It's... Yeah, normally you come in in like a three-piece suit today. Well, what's, what's up with that? I'm tired. You don't even have a jacket I've on. I've been procrastinating. Ooh. Ooh, good segue. That's our wow. segue right into our topic. <laughs> I've been procrastinating because it's not easy. By the way, talk about scary. i got to tell you this. Did you hear about – okay, so the, you've, you all heard that there was a hurricane, right? What? That went, what? Yeah, no. the eastern coast. <laughs> well, the water was bringing up caskets. Oh. Oh. I oh, hadn't yeah. even thought oh, of that. Yeah. That so, would be, be a really scary Halloween. There's, <laughs> it's scary. That's so in Connecticut, terrifying. New Haven police – Say that the superstorm Sandy has revealed a skeleton. This is this came up beneath the town green. What that doesn't make sense. Skeleton beneath the town green that may have been the there park. since colonial times. The town yeah, green the, is the park is or the, the park. middle of the town. Underneath a tree, <laughs> the tree was uprooted. Underneath the tree came a skeleton. That's pretty crazy that the skeleton's still there after like three hundred years. Yes, they don't ever leave. <laughs> Did you hear that voice? scary um so imagine now that there's all of these um caskets that are or coffins that have that have emerged through the ground wait are you sure it's the coffins or is it just that, that one was story? Just a skeleton but in uh parts of like new jersey and parts of new york or um yeah new jersey i believe it was some coffins were were um when the water got into the sarcophagus is that what they call the the Met the cement thing that holds the casket, they floated up and took the lids off and started floating a little bit. Well, that would be terrible uh, for the families if it was recent. You know, you're just like, oh my gosh. So, or... we're just wanting to advise people to watch out for that tonight. Yeah, that's pretty freaky. And watch out if you see a pirate uh, <laughs> from Brigham Young University <laughs> dressed in purple, uh, watch out because Madison is on the prowl and she might take something of yours. <laughs> I'll probably steal your candy. She stole my pen <laughs> yesterday. She'll probably steal my candy today. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to get into the topic of procrastination, which is I, I specifically chose this topic for you guys because I really want you to do better. And so we're going to be bringing on an expert talking about why we tend to procrastinate. We're going to be getting into pigs and apes, I have a feeling. Uh, you'll understand when we get into a little bit more. The pigs in us, the apes in us that make it so hard to get things done on time. When we come back, we'll give you all the tools, the ideas to avoid procrastination right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Does osteoporosis have you rattled? Exercise techniques from space could lead to new treatments for patients on Earth. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The lack of physical exercise and resistance in the weightless environment of space can lead to a fair amount of bone loss in astronauts. 
It's an ongoing challenge, but explorers on the International Space Station try to reduce the problem by spending a couple of hours a day working out. Exercise equipment in the orbiting laboratory uses springs, elastic, and harnesses to mimic the resistance that gravity on Earth provides. A few years back, a study funded by NASA suggested that astronauts might also reduce bone loss by standing on what amounts to a vibrating plate for about 10 to 20 minutes each day. The research showed that the subtle vibrations had a notable effect toward mitigating bone loss in lab animals, such as rats, sheep, and turkeys. Now, a small firm in New Zealand, V. Robic, is bringing the technology down to Earth. According to the company, small pulses emitted by their osteo machine can kickstart the process to rebuild bone and cartilage. It's a device that just might shake up the way osteoporosis is treated. For Innovation Now, I'm Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For the 2012-2013 season, BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. Don't miss BYU football. Touchdown! Cougars take the lead! Men's basketball. Davies to the middle and the right hand. Women's basketball. Brigham Young University Cougars are the West Coast Conference champions. Baseball. A walk-off grand slam and BYU wins it. And more. All the major sports all season long. Only on your home for Cougar sports. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking procrastination, and uh, never before has my board op, Skylar Hansen, been more on time than today. He's actually oh, wow. giving me cues ahead of time. He's, um, <laughs> he's anticipating my every move, my every thought. So appreciate that. On the day of the no Procrastination problem. Show, you're no problem, right on top of it. But uh, with the topic of procrastination, I simply ask, Why? Why do we do it when we know it is bad for us? Our producer, Madison, tells us why and gives us some solutions. Everyone procrastinates sometimes, but 20% of people chronically avoid difficult tasks and deliberately look for distractions. Today, it is so easy to fill your time, so it's becoming more and more of a problem. I'm, truthfully, one of those people, and I even say that I perform better under pressure. But is it true, or am I just putting things off? Well, as my mother said, no two people do the same thing for the same reason. So I compiled a list of the main reasons that people procrastinate. The first one is fear of the outcome. Sometimes we're afraid that we'll fail. What if it blows up in our face? The second is helplessness when it seems too complex. Sometimes we can feel inadequate and just not know how to handle something like this. We can feel unresourceful, and so we avoid it. The third is rebellion and laziness. Rebellion is all about control, and we assert that control by by choosing when or if we do the task. Rebellion is all about control, and we assert our control by choosing when or if we do the task. We can also resent the fact that we have to do this task, and we feel imposed upon. The fourth is lack of motivation. We can sometimes feel like, what do I get out of this? Why do I have to do this monotonous task? The fifth is lack of focus and fatigue. I have totally been there. When I am tired, I sit down to do my homework, and suddenly, it's the next morning. Our fatigue can keep us from doing a task, such as using the excuse, I need to sleep, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I was partying up all late last night, so that's why I'm just so tired. 
It is so easy to find excuses, but we need to keep ourselves focused. Also, distractions are everywhere, especially with access to Facebook, Pinterest, and the new rising phenomenon, Reddit. It is easier than ever to find something to occupy your time. The sixth is not knowing where or how to start. Sometimes you just feel so overwhelmed by the enormity of the task that you simply do not know where to start. And then last but not least is perfectionism. I am totally a perfectionist. I actually do this exact thing of using my perfectionism to procrastinate cleaning my room. I see the mess and I know just how I want it organized with everything being labeled, color-coded, and having its own place. But I use the excuse, oh, I don't have enough time to do that. I'm not prepared. I don't know if I can really donate so much of my time to just sit down. I need to buy this. I need to buy that, etc. I actually even think that I will end up wasting my time by doing it now because I'm going to have to redo it later. So how do we overcome these problems? Well, let's start with the first one. If you're afraid, overcome your fear. You need to live your life and this fear is probably keeping you from doing other things in your personal life that are important. By overcoming this personal barrier, you will be happy and healthier. If it's too complex, this time the solution is to just break it down. Break it down and complete each part one at a time. Sometimes it can help to think of times in the past when you've done something else that was really complex. Just get into the zone and do it. If you're feeling lazy and rebellious, think of a way to reward yourself for getting it done. Also, remind yourself of the consequences of not doing it. There is a picture that is going around the internet of an open book with a gummy bear on each paragraph. You can reward yourself with the gummy bear each time you get to the next paragraph. Before you know it, you'll be reading like a whiz in no time. Just simply find a way to motivate yourself. If it's doing your homework, think about what you can do when you're done, or about the grade that you'll receive. For me, what motivates me to do my homework is I try to compete with myself to see how good of a grade I can get. If it's your tax return, think about all the money you will be getting when you file it. You could even promise yourself a reward from the money that you get back, such as buying a new toy, something that you've really wanted but you can't really justify getting. The basic principle is to just reframe the task. If you know that the job has to be done, but it's not emotionally important to you, find a way to make it important. For an example, if there's going to be a penalty fee for turning your taxes in late, set aside the amount of the penalty as a reward. Distractions are everywhere. You must learn to avoid them. Seclude yourself, turn off your phone. If you're on the computer, make a rule to only check your email at certain intervals. My friend actually got a special add-on to his Google Chrome that blocks social networking sites and Reddit, so now he says that he has been a lot more productive. Something else that can help is to find a quiet place. I find that if I play music during homework, I kind of just zone out and listen to the music. If you find a way to create a zen atmosphere, it will increase your productivity. And you can also reward yourself with small breaks for accomplishing smaller subtasks. Also, get enough sleep, eat healthy, and exercise regularly. You will feel and perform your best for the task and also for the rest of the day. To find a place to start, sometimes establishing the endpoint can help. You can build your way backwards by thinking of what you'll have to do in order to accomplish the end goal. Also, feel free to write it down. It'll help you keep track and remember what you're doing. Just don't give up. Uncover the start and ending points and fill in the blanks one at a time. For perfectionism, the main thing is, does it really matter? I talked about how I felt like it would be a waste of time to do it now, or I'm just not good enough to get to a certain task. Well, how are you going to improve unless you practice? 
you need to implement to practice, so just do it. I couldn't have said it any better myself than what M. Scott Peck said. Until you value yourself, you will not value your time. Until you value your time, you will not do anything with it. Come on, people. Value yourselves. If you're not willing to take a certain job because it has such a low pay, then you obviously value your time. So why are you procrastinating? It also can damage your future. As Victor Kim said, procrastination is opportunity's natural assassin. We need to value ourselves and our time. We can do so much with it and can really make a difference in our lives and others. I end with the poem, The Value of a Second. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who has failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask an editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one day, ask a daily wage laborer who has kids to feed. To realize the value of one hour, ask the bride who is waiting to meet her groom. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who has missed the train. To realize the value of one second, ask a person who has avoided an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person who has won a silver medal in the Olympics. Treasure every moment that you have. Treasure it more because you shared it with someone special, special enough to spend your time. And remember that time waits for no one. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That is why it is called The Present. Excellent work, Madison Allred. Oh shucks, thanks. <laughs> Nailed it. Thanks for being present. Oh, no problem. I don't even care I'm that your, your gift. <laughs> I don't care that your story was brought in late. <laughs> You're still great. Okay, we're going to be bringing on the real expert, uh, life coach, critic, critically acclaimed author of the book Beyond the Pig and the Ape: Realizing Success and True Happiness. Krishna Pendyala will be joining us. After this break, right here on the Matt Townsend Show to talk procrastination on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For regular updates on BYU Radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Wall Street was open again today for the first time this week, but with New York in full recovery mode after Hurricane Sandy, trading was flat. The stock exchange was forced to run on backup power as much of lower Manhattan is still in the dark. The day started with some rises in trading, but by midday, the Dow and the S&P 500 were both trending downwards to the end of the day at a loss. Brokers struggled with limited internet and phone coverage due to numerous downed cell towers. Overall, though, the CEO of the exchange says the reopen went smoothly. 
As the U.S. begins cleanup efforts, Japan is finding out that theirs may have been grossly mismanaged. An audit into the $150 billion fund meant to help cities and towns rebuild after the terrible earthquake and tsunami last year has found much of the monies have been misspent. One mayor of a small town that says in the 19 months since the disaster, not a single new building has been built. It seems much of the fund has gone to projects that were supposed to help boost economic recovery, like an advertising campaign for Japan's new tallest skyscraper, road development in Okinawa, and research into whaling. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton is calling for an overhaul of the Syrian opposition leadership and a move that shows even greater American support for the anti-regime forces. Clinton says that the Syrian rebels need to unite around a credible political group led by people on the front lines of the conflict. So far, the leaders of the anti-Assad movement have been talking, that have been talking to other world powers have been from the Syrian National Council, and they seem to lack the mindset of those who are actually fighting the war because many have not been in Syria for decades. Clinton says there needs to be representation of those who are doing the fighting because the SNC lacks traction with many of the different factions battling to depose the current regime. 90% of Northern Europeans would vote for President Barack Obama if they could cast ballots in the U.S. election next Tuesday, according to a U.K. pollster. Republican candidate Mitt Romney is apparently too right-wing and too unknown by Europeans to gain any support across the Atlantic. In fact, by European standards, even President Obama would likely be considered on the conservative side of the political spectrum, according to one of the authors of the polling report. He also noted Republican associations' accusations of socialism against the Obama administration do not seem to resonate with the public in places like Denmark. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Just, uh, you know, procrastinating everything we can do here. We're just trying to slow down our lives and uh, veg a little bit. Trying to talk like Sky does, my little board op. Uh, We are talking procrastination. How do you take your life back? How do you not get sucked into this trap that, uh, that might, you know, hold you hostage, this crazy little thing that we maybe don't even pay attention to. But do you ever notice that you're always running late? Do you ever notice that you're uh, turning in things late, that you maybe have forgotten a few things, have to run back, make a few extra trips because you just didn't get on top of the game? Well, we're going to be talking today with Krishna Pendiala. He is an author, sought-after life coach with a critically acclaimed book, entitled Beyond the Pig and the Ape, Realizing Success and True Happiness. Krishna has been, for the last 20 years, has been working with individuals and teams at companies such as Boeing, Carnegie Mellon, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and UNESCO, using his simple yet practical framework to uh, to help us manage our life a little bit better. Krishna, welcome to the program. Thank you, Matt. It's good to Glad have to you here. here. We really need you on our team. Happy to be on your team. Because we uh, are so far behind at times, we sometimes don't uh, 
kind of stay on things. Now, as we're talking about procrastination, Krishna, tell me, tell, help us understand why it's so, why it's so prevalent. Why is it as humans that we just put things off so much? Well, uh, coming to how we are all wired, you know, mm-hmm. as we've been, we've survived so many eons, and we've evolved to develop certain survival skills. And these survival skills have kept us alive on this planet. And it's interesting, as you'll see as we go along this program, how these very survival skills will get in the way and sabotage our chances to get things done. So these are kind of just um, subtle, hidden away patterns or skills, I guess, that, that are in our, like our consciousness, our subconscious? What is that? Is that where they're hidden? It's really our instincts. Mm. It's our natural instincts for survival. And uh, pri- our primeval forefathers happened to survive because they learned how to feed and protect themselves. And this desire for feeding and protecting yourself, and, you know, people have it naturally. They don't even have to think about yeah. it. That's, that's what happens, because you're not even making rational thought. It said you've heard of knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Most of the times when you avoid something or do something, you don't even know you're doing it. You just, it just happens till it's too late. That's how you realize you're running late, right? Yeah. You consciously say, I am going to go late today. It's almost like you're... Um it's it's like we we haven't ev- we have to you know grow a little bit more evolve a little bit more so we cuz here we sit at this time where we can basically do anything we want become anything we want if we could just overcome some of the scripting that's so natural to us that's really what it is so i like the word you use scripting so another way to say it is your conditioning right yeah conditioning is what uh, you know nurture nature all these things have been uh, shared by so many people. So nature, I'm going to deal with first with nature. Yeah. So nature has made us survive for this many years, both in the wild and today in our modern age where we have all these incredible uh, opportunities. However, we are yet to evolve from some of our primitive knee-jerk reactions to things. And that's really where I think my work points to which is what I call, we all own two animals. I I'll, call them yeah, get into the that. pig and the ape. So there's two animals that kind of, that we own, that are part of our identity, handed down through the eons of time, and one of them we, you call the pig, and one is the ape. And these are the two things that you're saying seem to end up uh, distracting us, occupying us, keeping us from doing maybe what matters most. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of, in my book, uh, Beyond the Pig and the Ape, as I, I use a term called life space. And life spaces, we all operate in six life spaces, and everything we do can fall into one of these, which is yourself, your spouse, your friends and community, your work, hmm. your money, and your kids. And even if you don't have kids, you deal with them, and you're a kid once. Right, yeah. And how do we make our choices within these life spaces? How do we use our time? I mean, Madison did a phenomenal job kind of putting that three-minute opening together, talking about time. And time for me is a finite entity, right? I mean, I I have tried 
my level best, both as a scientist and a researcher, to make it 28 hours, and I have to say, I haven't succeeded. (laughs) Yeah, if you ever figure that out, will you make sure to call me? Yes, I I will be happy to, but I'm just going to unfortunately concede and say I have given up doing that. So it's finite. It's not growing. Yes. And, uh, man, turning 50 was huge for me because I realized time was going by, and I feel I've entered phase two of my life. Some people re- refer to it as second half, but second half has an assumption that you're going to live to 100, you know? Mm-hmm. We all know that may or may not happen. Most likely it won't. So time has become a lot more precious for me, and I see it very differently, which means every moment I have, I have to be conscious about the choice I make. And that's really what drove me even further to look at procrastination and how easily we fall into it. Yeah, it's, 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 so it's like you're not present, are you? You're not present in the choice. You're just kind of defaulting to your, your wiring, your, his, your I guess your, what do you call it? Your instinct. Instinct, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Default, I love the word default as well because, I mean, you, 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 there's so many examples. You know, when you look at your own personal situation, how often you put off the visit to the doctor mm-hmm. or a dentist or start the exercise program. Right. Right? Yeah. When it comes to your spouse, how often do you find an excuse to avoid doing something, cleaning the house or helping her get something done? There's always something that gets ahead of it. Yeah. And then when it comes to our friends, walking through the life spaces as we are talking, how maybe we want to go visit an ailing friend. But we always have something that pops up and we say, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. And work is the best place for procrastination because keeping busy is the easiest way to avoid the real work. And I have to say, one of your great professors, late Dr. Covey, yeah. was one of my favorite teachers. I remember him telling this in one of the lectures I attended. I probably attended 10 of his lectures. And there was one where he says there's such a difference between prioritizing your work mm-hmm. and working your priorities. Yeah. I want to stay on that just a little because everybody tells you, prioritize your work, prioritize your work. But really, that's just step one. It's mm-hmm. working your priorities are when you make those advances in life. A lot of people spend a lot of time planning, but no action. Mm-hmm. Some people don't plan and take no action. I'm not going there. But let's talk about those who end up planning a lot, but not necessarily taking action. Yeah. Too much thinking. So these are all. Planning is sometimes given a lot of credit, just stopping at the end of plan still gets you no results. That's exactly so right. That's a, de- a pretty deadly uh, trap. And they're all just—I guess it's just—they're all just different forms of the same, you know, um, instinctive scripting. They're—they're they're just. I mean, even if I'm busily planning and never delivering, that's probably a form of pig or ape. Yes, and we're going to get to that. Yeah, that's huge. I, I wanted to kind of set up the yeah. various scenarios where this thing shows up. And when it comes to our money, that's yet another place, mm-hmm. right? We end up spending more. We delay saving for the rainy day. And Madison already talked about it, about doing taxes. Taxes is a very interesting thing. Even if you're getting money back, you will put it off. Mm-hmm. That it, tells that's crazy. You it doesn't make sense, right? I mean, yeah. some people put it off because they're going to have to, they think they end up owing money. Yeah. But there are people who know they're going to get 
a refund, and they'll still put it off because of the work involved. You know, it sounds like it's almost like they're more. I'm too busy working to go save money by doing my taxes or to get my money back. It's we then we compensate with excuses and stories about why we have to work or why we're incapable or why we don't have the time, and and yet. In the end, like you said, it doesn't matter because you're still not getting it. In fact, uh, one somebody told me once, I don't remember the attribution, he said, we are not rational people, we are rationalizing people. Mm. Isn't that a great quote? Yeah. Yeah, rational would, I guess, demand thinking, <laughs> right? I mean, it would, de- it would demand some choices, some honest, present choices, I guess. That's right, because you, you said thinking also can be deceptive. Oh, yeah. Okay, because we are the biggest con men for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have such ima- imagination and amazing justification, and we can think through it and come up with these amazing justifications. So thinking um, is an interesting thing because our mind can cre- usually creates an identity for us, right? right. You, the radio producer, yeah. I, the author, whatever it is, and we start living that identity. And when we start living that identity, we believe that's who we are and not the human being inside. And when we do that, the choices that are made are not necessarily for you. It is for that identity. Yeah. That's a whole different ball of wax we can get into when we start thinking because you're really supporting that identity, not really who you are. I love that. Uh, we're talking with uh, Krishna Penyala, the author of Beyond the Pig and the Ape. Now, Krishna, we're going to take a break now. We'll come back. And when we come back, I guess we can get into those those two different you know, approaches to life, our two instinctive, uh, innate, I guess, approaches, the pig and the ape. Have you explained that to everybody a little bit more, those animals that live inside of us that might be stealing our time? I will be happy to answer that after the break. You'll be wonderful. uh, Excellent. And if you need a quick answer, I'll tell you so that you can... Yeah, have us us think about it. What, What would be the quick answer? We all own two powerful animals that tend to control us if you're not careful. And one is the pig and one is the ape, or the mighty gorilla, and both are acronyms. I'm not going to tell you what the acronyms stand for, and we'll come back and discuss them. Love it. Love it. Krishna Pendyala, we will be back with him. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We're going to blow up some of the things that are keeping you from doing what matters most right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Technology built for future moon rovers may one day keep you from getting a flat tire here on Earth. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The next generation of planetary rovers will cover much more ground than Apollo moon buggies ever did. That's why a team from NASA Glenn Research Center joined up with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company to create the next generation of tires for worlds that don't have roadside assistance. Goodyear helped develop tires for the original lunar rovers, so they already knew they couldn't rely on air or use rubber that degrades in extreme environments. Their solution? A spring tire that's built with an innovative yet simple network of interlocking coiled wires. 
A sharp rock or debris that might puncture and deflate an airfield tire would only damage one of the 800 load-bearing springs in this upgraded version. Since the spring tire never needs air, it never goes flat. This innovation could enable broader space exploration and the eventual development and maintenance of planetary outposts. It also brings a safer alternative for military and off-road vehicles where traditional pneumatic tires might fail. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. After all the campaigns and debates, Election Day has arrived. Tuesday, November 6th, BYU Radio will bring you experts from both sides weighing in on the hotly contested races around the nation, highlighted by the photo finish between President Obama and BYU alumnus Mitt Romney. Join us for a unique look at the elections November 6th, 8 Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Right on time, by the way, not procrastinating at all, because all over the board is Skyboy. All over the board. All over the board, and he's even calling me Dr. Townsend. Dr. Townsend. He feels guilty about something. Um, we're talking with Krishna Pendiala, who's the author. Uh, he's a life coach. who has been doing this for 20 years, working with big companies, even the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he wrote the book called Beyond the Pig and the Ape, Realizing Success and True Happiness. And he's been enlightening us on these two animals that are inside of each of us that uh, might be the root cause for why we tend to procrastinate. So, Krishna, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, Matt. Okay, enlighten us. Now, get into this pig and ape thing. This is fascinating. Great. So, obviously, we all know pigs are not animals known for their (laughs) self-restraint, right? Right. They scarf down almost anything in their path gobbling up as much as they can, and it's been a strategy that's worked really well for them because they have, you know, they've been thriving and have been a successful species. Right. And so have been our ancestors, had similar evolution strategies at this pig, because back in the day, you didn't know when, we didn't have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No, you didn't know when you were going to eat. So when they had a kill, they grabbed and gobbled up as much as they could, because it could be two days, three days before the next meal. So they're really omnivorous scavengers. They lived in a world where they compete for food, territory, and security. So we have that as built in, like you were talking about scripting, man. So that's part of us, is that's how we learn to survive, and that's part of us. Get as much as you can, even if it's not good for you. Get it. That's exactly right. So even though... Things have changed. We built great societies that are, that are capable of fulfilling our needs much more efficiently and abundantly. Our greedy pig is still remained intact, and that's why we call it the greedy pig. So now, one impediment to time management is the greedy pig. And I'll tell you how it works. Okay. Because the, it also happens to be an acronym. This is what I told you before the break. Yep. The IG stands for Pursuing Instant Gratification. Hmm. Love it. Not only it's a greedy pig, it wants it right now. (laughs) Hurry. Right? Oh, my heck. This sounds like my kids. We all are. And I have to say, it's all of us. Oh, for sure. It's kind of, uh, you know, spared. They want it. Yeah, we all want it now. We want it immediately. Right. 
Yep. And everyone's pig is different, you know. Some pigs like to buy material things. Some people will go root through the aisles of life for physical thrills, sex, money, easy money especially, right? And someone's pig may desire attention, recognition, prestige, so on. But no matter what the inner pig yearns for, the common denominator is that each of us has one. Mm -hmm. And unlike its four-legged namesake, it doesn't only go for food, as I mentioned. Right. It'll chase any kind of pleasure, any satisfaction, as long as the reward is close at hand. Even to its own demise. Could be, because it needs to be fulfilled. Yep. Boy, okay? this, and, this is great, because I think everyone out there can relate. You know what I mean? We all feel that. We all see the pig in us. Yep. And... Even though Hollywood might have made us think about, you know, King Kong and other things as big, bold animals, apes are not really fierce kings of the jungle. Right. They're actually very shy creatures that live in secluded areas and actually avoid confrontation. Hmm. And so, even when you watch in the next gorilla movie, notice the moment there is a threat, you'll see the alpha male beating its chest and doing its thing, while all the people, all the other apes in the back are scampering away, <laughs> running. Yeah. And so, they try to avoid. So, the ape is another acronym for not only the animal, but the, to avoid painful experiences. Ah, uh, Perfect. So now we have a pig that pursues instant gratification and moves towards pleasure, and we have the ape that wants to avoid painful experiences, which means run away. Yeah. Now, these are very powerful. This is how we manage to reduce the risk in our lives, and that's how we manage to avoid danger. And so these are not bad. Both the pig and ape have kept us alive. But as the world changed, as societies developed, they need to kind of be adjusted. And be, we need to be aware that we are wired this way for the tough life. So we have, to, we have to pull back on the pig and maybe push the ape a little bit. It's just really being aware and watchful. And that's why you don't need to lock them up. You don't need to cage them. You don't need to chain them up. All you need to know is be aware that this exists. They're there for a reason. But is this the right time and place mm. to be? allowing them to call the shots. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. And you can see how, you know, going to the dentist is the classic one. We'll come up with a great excuse why not to go. And because, one, you'll have to pay money, it might be painful, and you may end up with bad news. Right. You know? Right. And you don't want to deal with that, so you'll make it tomorrow. So the interesting thing about procrastination is it is one activity where both the pig and the ape are being fed and taken care of simultaneously. Interesting. So think about it. When we procrastinate, we do something we like, right? We right. do something we like, and we avoid something we don't like. Yeah. So bingo. And you might be selling, you might be selling yourself downriver. You're, you're losing growth, potential, opportunity, but you're not being hurt. Right. And you're having fun, whatever you're doing. Yes, exactly. So we're moving towards pleasure and away from pain at the same time. Mm. And that's what we want in life. And that's how we are wired. That's huge. And you're saying you don't even need to, like, go try to control these things and cage them and, 
you just need to start noticing when they're rearing their heads and 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 make it like a choice point. Exactly, and that's why the pig and ape come in handy because they're animals, and for all the all the people who have either read my book or listened to her talk uh, or uh, have gotten back feedback to me, they say once now I start seeing these guys showing up all over. Yeah. There goes my pig, and they start smiling actually because <laughs> it's almost amusing. Yeah, and. That's awareness, right? The yeah. whole thing is about awareness. If you don't, you know, we, we are scared of the dark. Right. But once you turn on the light and you say, oh, that's just a closet, not a bottomless pit, you know? Yeah, you and don't you need know, to be afraid of it. Just be aware that maybe this is what's leading you right now. And then, and then turn it into a choice. Exactly. So it becomes a conscious choice, not an unconscious choice. Hmm. How do so, you know what to turn to? So, I mean, when you turn away from the pig or turn away from the ape, don't you also, I mean, it seems like the pig and the ape would also keep us from knowing what we should actually turn to. Exactly. Exactly. So, that's a great question, Matt. The main thing is to figure out if it is real or imaginary. So, this is why when you talked about thinking, I said thinking can be very Mm -hmm. helpful and can be dangerous. Right. So, when you imagine, most of the time, fear is imagined. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you haven't experienced it, right? I mean, it's hypothetical. Right. And then if you respond to that imagined fear, because your ape is now trying to call the shot, it it can't tell if it is real or imagined. Mm -hmm. You come up with the same response. So now you, you have to have the presence. And I love the fact that you've used that word multiple times today. If you are present, then you can be clear. What is presence? Being here now and clear. And then you're able to say, you know what, I'm making this up. Yeah. This is not really for real. I'm making this up, and I have no idea if it is for real. I'm fearful that it may happen. What are the chances? And you can have a much more present conversation with yourself. And at the, But at the same time, many times, you don't even have to go that far. The moment you know it, that's the pig acting up, you'll know what to do. It's almost like, yeah, it's... The minute you see, I mean, it's funny. The minute you see the pig, it it just creates this clarity that you're like, okay, well, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. It, it, you don't even, it's like you need a 10-step plan to go stop it. You just need to notice it. Oh, I'm so glad you said what you did. The 10-step plan is what more, what I call recipe book approach to solving problems. Yeah. And nobody has the time or the energy to follow a 10-step plan. No. And that's why people go to seminars, take these things, and, you know, three weeks later, they're not using it. Right. You know, they get all excited, nod their head, come out all pumped up, and then because it's got 10 steps and because habits are tough to build, here, it's just two animals, big and ape. And as soon as you can notice it, I mean, you're taking words out of my mouth, Matt. Thank you. Sorry. I almost read your book. that helps. That actually helps. That means we are connecting. Yeah. That once you notice it, you, once you know, hey, there's my ape, love you it. know, and you start smiling and laughing at yourself. I love it. Um, let's, can, we take, can you hang around, uh, Krishna, for just a few, like about 10 more minutes? I'll be happy to. Let's, I just want to take a break and have you back and, and just let you give us a little more insight in how to, how to be present in this moment. Start recognizing the pig or the ape 
We're blowing up this procrastination problem, trying to get present. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Go Cougars! Keep up to date with BYU Radio's programming by liking BYU Radio on Facebook. You can check our page for BYU sports updates and information on our entertainment programming. Like us on Facebook at BYU Radio. Talk about good. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. New York City's Bellevue Hospital has been forced to evacuate and move over 500 patients to already to other already overwhelmed facilities after backup generators failed. The move compounds medical situations in the city as New York University Hospital was forced to evacuate all 300 of their patients on Monday. Patients from Bellevue are being transferred to surrounding medical centers as fast as possible. This facility has been running on backup power since Monday due to the hurricane, which sent over 17 million gallons of water flooding into the basement. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is asking the national government to cover all state and local government costs for cleaning up after the monster storm. In a letter to President Barack Obama, Cuomo estimated that the lost economic revenue alone would add up to around $6 billion. He also urged the federal support by pointing out that the cleanup and restoration efforts will essentially grind to a halt unless more aid becomes available. New York holds the second highest debt of any state in the nation right after California. And according to Cuomo, trying to pay for the ballooning costs of Sandy would place a tremendous financial burden on the citizens of New York. In New Jersey, an unlikely bond has been formed between the president and Governor Chris Christie, who is one of the top supporters of the Romney campaign. Christie and the president have been surveying the damage in the densely populated state via helicopter, along with a top official from FEMA. The Obama campaign has been suspended since Sunday so that the president could help provide aid and leadership during the onslaught of Hurricane Sandy. But the Obama team will be back on the road in Nevada tomorrow. The sister company of the pharmaceutical developer that produced the drug linked to the deadly meningitis outbreak has voluntarily recalled all of their drugs. The move is meant to show cooperation with ongoing investigations by regulators, but may cause a shortage of some important medicines. Although many of the recalled treatments have not shown any known harm, company officials say they are pulling them back anyway because the Food and Drug Administration has asked that they reevaluate their sterility testing procedures. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, 
to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking procrastination, and on the phone we have a uh, our sought-after life coach, okay, Krishna Pendiala. He's the author of the book Beyond the Pig and the Ape: Realizing Success and True Happiness. And uh, Krishna, thanks so much for hanging on with us. Just love uh, what we're learning here. Well, are you asking great questions, Matt? You, 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 it's fun. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think you make it easier because a lot of times we just sit there, you know, and we get into this, you got to get your planner out and get everything happening and get your planning going and write it in. But in the end, there's something, I guess, that transcends it all, which is just being aware. That's, uh, my God, you, you, it looks like you and I have been doing <laughs> this for a while. Well, well, I think we kind of have. We're probably on parallel tracks, except you actually, um, you actually do yours. Well, I, uh, I just talk about mine on radio. No, no. <laughs> Let's come. Let me first come clean here. I belong to this club of procrastinators as well. Is that how you and got I, the insight about all of this? Okay, I call myself a card-carrying life member. <laughs> Get in line. Hey, yeah. I think I'm the I'm the charter president here in the Utah uh, group. Fair enough. Chapter need to president. Start yeah, but as I said, even with all this insight, I still struggle with it quite a bit. But the beauty is I catch it. and I catch it as it happens. And in fact, I have a little game that I'm playing. If I catch it during the act, I give myself two points. If I catch it after the fact, one point. Oh, excellent. Uh, if I catch it before, three points. What if your wife catches it for you? Uh, she gets 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> you can't let her in. Don't let her win. She can keep counting that. I like that idea because then you're kind of incentivizing yourself to be to be getting faster or better at being aware in the moment. Yeah, absolutely, because most of the time we don't even catch it, and that's zero. Mm-mm. So if you can catch it before, it, it it's all about fun, okay? I mean, we've talked about many people have used the word uh, awareness, mm-hmm. mindfulness, so on and so forth, and most of them deal with laborious practices. Right. This is much more of a game, you know, yeah. spotting, spotting these creatures, trying to get in and muck with you, you know? Yeah, fine. The pig, the pig is the pursuing instant gratification. That's that animal inside of you that wants it now, it wants it its way, it wants it fast. And then there's the ape, which you call the avoiding painful experiences. That's kind of the elusive one. Uh, that seems to always be on the run. Yep, uh, wants you to avoid things. And yeah. both the pig and the ape are aspects of what scientists call the limbic system of our brain, a primitive part that seems believed to be very old in evolutionary terms. Hmm. So therefore, to live a full and happy life in today's world, we have to adjust from that primitive state. We must learn, I think you said it too, limit the roles we unconsciously allow these animal natures to play. Yeah. I think that's huge. It requires being aware of them. It requires just being aware of them. And when you see it and spot them, and I've had people 70 years old, and I can tell you stories about these two ladies who uh, read my book. One was talking to the other and said, I had to go to my daughter's house, and, um, you know, the kids were throwing throwing stuff around, and I had to clean up and so on. So she, one of the, the other lady asked her, why didn't you tell the deal with it, with the, with your daughter? And she said, well, I don't want to deal with it. She goes, ape. <laughs> What'd you call me? And then she started, <laughs> they started getting mad at no, each other. Both of them had read it, so they started laughing, and yeah. that's the point. That it, is it, powerful. 
they just started laughing, and that's what happened. And I have children, seven, yeah. eight, basically going, oh, there goes my pig. Yeah. But see, what's the so powerful? The moment they catch it, they don't get all worked up. The right. tantrum kind of calms down because they know the pig is running the show. Right. Well, and it also must help you to see it in others because then you almost don't have to be. It's not like they're doing it to be offensive and rude. Someone's not being a pig to spite you. They're being a pig, I guess, in spite of their own values, right? I mean, so I can I can actually use this to handle how other people are being around me. You said two, you said many things in that great set of statements you made, Matt. One is. Sure enough, it's easy, my, a lot easier to spot it in others once you know it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole other story. Yeah. But the key thing, I really like what you said. You can now start to better understand. In fact, a friend of mine said, people don't do things to spite you. Mm-hmm. They just do it to take care of themselves. Mm. Yeah. And which would be a pig. Or an ape. Or an ape. Yep. I mean, you're doing yeah. it to avoid something, right. not necessarily because they don't want to help you. Yeah. In fact, most people don't really care enough to differentiate whether it's you or them. They just... And we think, because, again, our own egos will think that they're trying to be offensive to us. Right. That's our issue. Yeah. But most of the time, they're just taking care of themselves. They're big and ape are running the show. Yeah. When we uh, when we were reading your book and kind of going through it in our pre- our pre show meeting, we read the story about the bill your bill story with the mills ready to eat. <laughs> Can you just tell that to people and kind of put that in context? Okay, this is a actually a friend of mine back twenty years ago. He hated ROTC, and yeah. but he he wanted to be part of it because of the scholarships so on. He hated going <laughs> to the. Uh, uh, Weekend, yeah, like yeah, he had to go out on, yeah, carry the heavy weight. So he was rebelling it the whole time. So they used to give these hamburgers that looked like a cookie, and you poured, you opened it out of a packet. They're called meals ready to eat. Yeah, and so you put them in a piece of, you know, on a bowl and pour some water, and it kind of swells up Expands. and kind of becomes this hamburger. Yeah, and it looked miserable. It tasted miserable. So one day he said, you know what, I'm not going through all this, and he just ate it like a cookie. And he ate a couple of them. <laughs> and interestingly, he, he was laughing about it, too, when he told me what happened was this uh, this dehydrated hamburger went into his stomach and started sucking <laughs> up all the fluids. It expanded. And uh, I think he had, to, uh, he had to be taken to the hospital oh, man. for treatment. So there you go. It's a quick fix. We're trying to do things, avoid something, avoid the unpleasantness. We make the move, and then here we get the result. The consequences most of the time are not and favorable. Right. But you don't even know what you did. Now you kind of can tell when you make – there are times when, you know, this is, this is one of the things, Matt, I'm going to share. Yeah. Let's say you know it's your pig. Mm-hmm. And you do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. help it. Yeah, that's okay because you know what? When the consequence shows up, you fully know why it happened. Yeah, and you can you own don't blame it. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I, I actually, I really believe if you're going to do something that's not good for you anyway, it would be better to make it a conscious choice. <laughs> that, I mean, so like you're, then you own it. You can own your own demise. You can own your own whatever. But most of us just aren't even that present to make the decision that way. 
That, and uh, I think as a nation, we are now at a place where we want somebody else to fix it for us. Yeah, we want a, we want a zookeeper. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. We want somebody to come in and start running the pigs and the apes. And uh, so, but which, which that, in the end would give up our choice, and then would give up your progress or your ability to, I guess, to 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 improve. Absolutely, I think what you're doing is you're missing your shot at life. Mm-hmm. You're shot at fulfilling fulfilling your dreams, whether it's the dreams for your family, your finances, you know, yeah, whatever it may be. But that's what you'll be missing when you give up that power of choice, because the only power you have is really the power of choice. Yeah. Right? And I totally agree. When we play a game, you can sit on the bench or you can be on the field. And it, most of us have played some sport. I know, at least for me, it's a whole lot more fun being on the field than sitting on the bench. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed that, um, kind of on the game metaphor, I guess what makes the game fun is when you're in the game. Um, have you ever noticed, though, that you know these two person these two uh, I don't uh, what are we calling these profiles the pig or the ape they they also seem to be kind of focused on present or or past and future so it seems like they're always kind of occupying two spaces but never the present they they're always worried about what they didn't get that they're running from or what they want to get that they're running to wow does that make sense Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that's why when Madison says the past is history, the future is a mystery, and you know, only the pre- it's, that's why it's called the present, because yeah. the present is the gift. So what happens is, and this is where you're coming back to thinking, because when you brought thinking, I said, Matt. Yeah, you corrected me. About a lot of this, that you added the third dimension. I normally only deal with the pig and the ape because they're very easy to keep track of. Yeah. But really, there's a third drive here, which is our ego. Mm. And the ego, which is our identity that our mind created for us, I'm not a Freudian guy, so I right. don't know what he meant by it, but all I can tell you is that, like the way the Greeks used it is it's an identity that our mind created for us, like I was referring to a little while ago. Right. So that identity can only survive in the past or in the future. It cannot survive in the present. Because it, it's not real. It's not really who you are in the present. Exactly. So yeah. it looks at the past, and past can get you either, uh, you know, regret or a sense of accomplishment. And the future typically gets us either anxiety or hope. Yeah. But in the present, really, most things are not too bad. Mm-mm. And and those that are are usually untested. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, like we're, so we're then in the future, or we're actually in the past because we're not. We haven't actually tested that idea yet, mm-hmm. which is what you just taught us. See? Well, Krishna, we I'm, can learn. Well, uh, I'm trying to make it simple and fun, because one of the things I've noticed is nobody likes lectures. No. No, they don't. Nobody they, likes these 10-step recipes, no. which look good, feel good while you hear it. Right. But how long does it stick? Is there, What is the stickiness? That's right. You have that. So, and so the real test is if the pig and ape sticks, but at least for the last year and a half, I've got very good uh, responses in terms of how, as I mentioned, 7 through 70. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I got a, e- a phone call from a gentleman, 91 years old, hmm. who read the book and said how much it mattered to him. Isn't that powerful? I mean, and so you, and we're we should all be changing till we're ninety one. We should all be learning and being present and getting. You know, I mean, that'll never end. 
That's huge. Absolutely. So, Krishna, um, a couple things. We uh, can you? Well, let's start with this. If they want to find your book, they can go to Krishna Pendula. Dot com, which is K-R-I-S-H-N-A-P-E-N-D-Y-A-L-A.com. Is that the best place to get the book? Actually, that place gives you a lot of free information about the book, and there's a link to Amazon, so the easiest place really is Amazon. Amazon. Beyond the Pig and the Ape, that's pretty much all you need to know. Pig and Ape, Krishna, and you're there. Pig and ape and Amazon, you're there. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Now, as we wrap it up, Krishna, give us uh, give us the one thing. We have about a minute, but what's the one thing that is the big thing? So if we could remember one thing from what you taught us today, what would you say that is? Know that you own both of these characters. They're not bad. They can be very useful for you. When the opportunity is real, they can mislead you when it's imagined. And the whole idea for you is to become aware of them and also beware of them. Mm. Yeah. And once you spot them, people tell me that they know what's going on and many times start smiling. This playful awareness will help you catch yourself and have a moment of truth and then make the right choice. Love That's it. why it's so simple. There's no multiple steps. There's no theory behind it. That's it. It's simple. And effective. Appreciate it. Krishna Pandyala, so appreciate it. Everybody, go check out uh, this great work, Beyond the Pig and the Ape, Realizing Success and True Happiness. Go to Amazon. And uh, we're going to have to have you back on, Krishna, because this was a fun show for me. Great. And uh, I think uh, I had sent a book for you away as well. Yes. In fact, I'm going to read it. I was going to give it away to people, but the pig (laughs) in me says no. Great. <laughs> no, actually, what I we, what we ought to do is, if anybody wants this book, we've got. He sent us a book. I'll just go buy my own, Krishna. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you want the book, eight zero one four two two zero one four three, area code eight zero one four two two zero one four three. Give us a call, and we will get you that signed copy from Krishna Pendyala. Krishna, Krishna, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Thanks Take care. Too. Yeah. You bet. Thank now, you. before we go on. We're going to uh, bring on our rant, which comes uh, brought to you by Bryce Tobin, the rant expert. Now, is the rant going to fit with what Krishna's taught us? You know, I think it will. Good. Because uh, when, when Bryce talks, he's usually right. Uh, we're going to uh, procrastination, you know, it gets a bad rap, but Bryce thinks this is all wrong. And he has some thoughts that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I'm not going to lie to you. I love procrastination. I have made some of the most astounding discoveries, developed complicated and rewarding skills, and accomplished critical tasks, all while avoiding something that I actually need to get done. I would even venture to say that I really only get anything done when I'm procrastinating. Just so happens that they're never important things, but that's neither here nor there. For example, I often wonder why I'm ever given a deadline. Anytime someone asks, hey, can you finish this by next Wednesday? Instead of giving me all that time, they might as well just say, hey, can you start this Tuesday night and have it ready by morning? Because let's get real, that's exactly when I'm going to start it. And you do the same thing. Like in school, why did they always give us a month to complete a paper? School's all about improving yourself, right? And they give you a whole month to do something? How is that difficult? How is that challenging? Yeah, okay, maybe this made sense when people still used paper books. If we really want to teach people skills that they need for the future, how about we surprise them with a 10-page research paper that's due tomorrow? Then we'll really know who's up to snuff. 
Think about it. What's more impressive, the person who takes a week to pull a rabbit out of a hat or the person who can pull a hat out of a rabbit in only an hour? Or what about this? You would think the task itself decides what length of time it takes to get something done, but real-life experience seems to suggest that this is not the case. I call this phenomenon the law of time-sensitive efficiency. Here's how it works. Your alarm goes off in the morning. You look at it, you got an hour and a half before work. So you get up, shower, get dressed, eat breakfast, make your lunch, brush your teeth, watch some TV, and then leave for work, and you get there at 9. Next day, you've had a catastrophic alarm failure. You have 10 minutes. Go! In a frenzy, you leap out of bed, take care of everything, and once you're at work, you look at the clock and realize... Wait a minute, it's 9.02. First you think you're lucky. Then you wonder if you have superpowers. You don't. It's just the law of time-sensitive efficiency. It doesn't matter what you have to do. The task will take as long as the time you have to complete it. This is convenient for your morning commute, but irritating on a Saturday when you're going to mow the lawn. It doesn't normally take three hours, but if that's the time you have, that's how long it's going to take. Always. Here's one that'll really bend your mind. We've all heard of relativity, right? Here's one way that it works. Let's say you and I are sitting at a picnic table in a nice park. Then I jump in a spaceship and follow our solar system's galactic orbit all the way around the Milky Way back to that picnic table in just 10 minutes. I just traveled a tremendous distance in a very short time frame. For me, I'm only 10 minutes older. You, on the other hand, will be much older. Let's say a year older. Time won't change for me, but the faster I move, the faster time moves for you, as far as I'm concerned. Weird, yeah, I know. But since this is the case, and since it's all the same to me, it must also mean that the slower I move, the slower time must move for my boss with all of his deadlines. I mean, it's only logical, right? So then why are people in such a hurry all the time? Moving quickly just makes everything else move even faster. My advice? Just do everything as slowly as possible. That way you'll have all the time in the world. Yeah, I know, it's a strange way to think about everything, but I don't make up the rules. That's just science. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Scientists have created a tiny satellite payload that opens up a giant opportunity. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Earth's upper atmosphere is an extremely volatile place. It's also a place that's vital for scientists to understand. So mission designers can keep satellites in orbit and performing as intended. More than a decade ago, NASA astrophysicist Fred Herrero realized that to truly understand our upper atmosphere, he'd need an armada of satellites gathering simultaneous multipoint measurements. With typical satellites costing $100 million or more at the time, that was out of the question. His solution was to promote the development of tiny, inexpensive satellites and develop a miniaturized instrument that's optimized to collect data from the ionosphere and thermosphere. Now, Herrero's team at Goddard Space Flight Center is delivering the first of several units of the WINS Ion Neutral Composition Suite, or WINCS. The instrument, developed with support from the Naval Research Laboratory, includes four spectrometers and three detectors, all in a package about the size of a coffee cup. WINX is ideal to fly on ultra-small satellites called CubeSats and will enable measurements never made before. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been uh, taking on procrastination and with the world's best and brightest engineers and inventors having spent spent hundreds of years trying to save us time. But maybe some of these time-saving devices really are just costing us more time. Life is so misleading. 
I mean, even a car. What's more of a time-saving device than a car? Yet, does it really save you time? I mean, back in the old-timey days a hundred years ago, your commute to work was 20 minutes. You put on your shoes and walk 20 minutes. And the engineers of the day thought, we can save people time. Let's put in a streetcar. Suddenly, that walk to work was only five minutes. Hey, I can get out of the big crowded city. So what did they do? They moved 20 minutes out by streetcar. And the city just got bigger, and it didn't save many time. And the car's done the same thing. We moved even farther away from our jobs and thought, hey, this is great. I only have a 20-minute commute. So in 100 years, we haven't saved a single minute. And it's actually gotten worse because think of all the time you have to spend at work making the money to pay for the car. They didn't have to do that 100 years ago. And odds are your commute's longer than 20 minutes anyway because the car's so comfortable to ride and you don't mind saying, oh, it's only a 45-minute commute. And then you have to add in traffic. There was no such thing as bumper-to-bumper back when people walked to work. So verdict, the car, not a time-saving device. Okay, well, how about the computer in your office? Odds are, back in 1981, when they introduced the computer into the workplace, people all thought, hey, this is the end of paperwork. What an age we live in. The paperless office will soon be here. Sure, for number-crunching things like accounting, it saves a lot of time. Databases, being able to send memos out to hundreds of employees all at one time. But right away, somebody invented the laser printer. And now we have more papers than ever. Plus, all the time you have to spend configuring your computer. That was such a drag on productivity in the office, they actually had to introduce entire IT departments just to keep the computers working. And then there's your Outlook calendar. The theory is that you put all your appointments in one place, so that way you can see them at home, at work, on your smartphone, anywhere. But come on, does that really save you time? Back in the old days, people would carry around Franklin planners or whatever. And so they'd be sitting in a meeting and they'd say, Next Tuesday, we're going to talk about the Johnson account. Be here at 9 a.m. sharp. So you'd unzip your little planner, right, 9 a.m., and you were done. The theory is that your smartphone replaces those calendars, so you would just enter it straight into your phone, right? But come on, who does that? Seems like I'm carrying around a bunch of sticky notes like, Don't forget to write in calendar the Johnson appointment. And then you get into big trouble when you don't have the sticky notes. Why, just yesterday I was talking to Sean from the morning show, and we agreed, Okay, 10 a.m. sharp, we're going to have a meeting. I didn't have my sticky note, so guess who wasn't at the meeting this morning? Me. But despite that breakdown of communication, even when it does work right, digital calendars now make it a two-step process. Write it down on paper, enter it in the computer. Verdict, computers and smartphone calendars, not a time-saving device. Now all these office innovations follow us home, too. Facebook was supposed to be this place you'd go on really quickly and click, 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 communicate with somebody and be done. But now it's a constant distraction. Sure, you might only be on it for 30 seconds now and then, but what about all the times you get hooked in for an hour looking at everybody's posts? Plus the cumulative amount of time you spend looking at all the stuff 30 seconds a pop throughout the day. That's a big waste of time. It's kind of the same principle as the remote control. What was supposed to save you time from having to get up and change the channel, because it's so comfortable just to stay there in your chair, you end up wasting ten times the amount of time you would have saved getting up and just changing the channel by hand. And DVRs do the same thing, too. You think, wow, I can watch my shows on demand. But the truth is, we spend tons of time just trying to configure the DVR to record the shows properly that we wanted to record, and then having to go through at the end of the day and delete all the shows we didn't get around to watching. And text messages. These little short communications were supposed to make it really easy, like, don't forget to pick up milk after work. 
But somewhere along the way, somebody decided it was the new method of communicating. And what used to be a quick 30-second phone call now takes six hours of back and forth. I absolutely find myself scratching my head when I see a friend of mine go, I got this text from somebody I didn't know. And then they spend the next several hours playing some kind of weird game of texting like they know the person to try to get clues to figure out who it was who texted them. That's not time-saving. Whatever happened to the old-fashioned way of just calling the number back and seeing if you recognize the voice? And if you don't, admitting, I'm sorry, who is this? So Facebook, remote control, DVRs, and texting, not time-saving devices. Now the innovations follow us into the kitchen, too. I recently bought an apple slicer. In theory, it saves me time because it cuts my apple into six perfect slices with one But man, is that thing a mess to clean. Plus, apple tends to splatter everywhere. But beyond the extra cleaning time, there's the finding time. You see, unlike knives, there's no such thing as an apple slicer drawer, so it takes me forever to find it. And if you step into the wrong kind of store, you'll find shelves and shelves of these supposed time-saving devices to help you cook in the kitchen. But it seems whatever minute amount of time you might save using the device is lost ten times over trying to clean the device when you're done. So, as seen on TV, kitchen helpers, not a time-saving device. Even old technology sometimes is more hassle than it's worth. Like an aging lawnmower. In the old days, people had those push mowers. Or they might not even have lawns. But all of America has those gas-powered push mowers now, and it seems like we spend at least 15 minutes just trying to pull the string to get it started. Well, that didn't save any time. And once you have a gasoline mower, you feel like you can grow any size lawn you want. Two and a half acre front yard? Sure! You have to go way back into history to finally get to some time-saving devices that really do save time. Like the screwdriver. Nothing's worse than trying to remove a screw with a butter knife. Or trying to hammer in a nail with a tape dispenser. Or remove a bolt with an adjustable pipe wrench. Using the wrong tool for the wrong job usually creates more problems than it solves. So good old-fashioned tools... Yes, you are a time-saving device. Now, looking ahead into the future, I think there's plenty more where all of this is coming from. Tablets. Right now, they seem like our friends and save us time so we can just simply check email and watch funny YouTube videos. But I'm predicting one day the tablet will be just as frustrating as the office PC. Pay by phone. The idea that we'll be able to use our phone like a credit card. Oh, you better believe that's going to create lots of hassles. And hundreds of years from now, when teleportation finally kicks in, you better believe that'll be a mess. And you thought it was bad when the airline told you, I'm sorry, sir, it seems like your luggage has been shipped to Raleigh-Durham. That's going to happen all the time with the teleporter. Except you may find out your luggage got dropped in the middle of the ocean. So there you have it. Uh, technology. It's just taking our time. We've talked about procrastination. There's only a few ways to really do it, but one of the keys to avoid it is to make sure you own your life. Take it back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Join us again tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.